the first time I've ever purchased a property that has a crawl space. So there's no basement, there's one bathroom, there's three bedrooms in there. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Welcome back. This is Sarah Larby and uh, we have today Jacqueline Marshall, who is a flipper doing it herself and uh, living in the properties as she flips and has been very successful. I'm really excited for today's podcast. She's got a great story and a focus in Windsor, Ontario, Font Hill, Niagara, and so far has completed nine flips doing it herself, which is uh, really inspiring. And I hope that you guys enjoy today's podcast. If you wanted to follow Jacqueline on Instagram, it's the handle is at baywapdesign underscore. So hope uh, you enjoy the podcast. If you haven't left a rating and a review, please do so. Thank you so much. Jacqueline, welcome to the show. How are you? Awesome. Good, it's a good. Pleasure to meet you finally. Yeah, we've uh, we've been talking on Instagram a little bit. I've been watching your your construction, your renos that you're doing. I want to talk all about <laughs> that today. So I'm happy to have you on. So give us a, a little bit of background on how you got started in real estate investing and also what your strategy is. I own properties in my 20s, but not with the mindset of investing because I honestly didn't know anything about, didn't even know that concept existed back in my 20s. When I was in university, I had purchased my third year uh, a home down by uh, Dalhousie University, by, in, which is in Halifax, and just rented the room. There was nothing special. It was a fixer-upper for sure. But I got four or five girls at any given time. They were living in the house with me. This paid for everything. I finished, I came to Ontario, I sold the property. And then fast forward 28, I bought my own personal home and it just kind of took off from there. I was in a long-term relationship that did not work out. We didn't live together, but he lived down the road. And so we were together for 13 years and I just wanted to move away. I didn't want to live down the road from him anymore. So the house did not sell and I was frustrated. So I found my first realtor uh, who I've been dealing with now for the past 20 years, uh, Steve Kanjar. He's in uh, Font Hill. And I just said, I want to move. I'm tired. This house isn't selling. I don't know what to do. So I said, I'm going to rent this out and buy another property. So he's like, oh, okay. So, and that's how that started. So then I bought the next house and I was like a year into that. I'm like, well, you know what? I think I'm going to rent this one out and buy another one. And so then I bought a duplex and it just kept rolling. And then the light bulb was going on. I'm like, I think I'm in onto something here. I've got myself into something. So I actually started on this path unknowingly and then it just kind of and in the past five or six years I've been flipping and really enjoying that it gives me because I was a dental hygienist before did not want to return to that and I just loved flipping and then you know I had my rentals and that all happened <laughs> very cool so so it sounds like you moved into them lived in them is that correct and then rented them out or did you just rent them out? Yes, that's correct. Like when I first started getting into the rentals, flipping was not on my horizon. It wasn't even a thought in my head. So I would buy a property, you know, clean it up a little bit, do a lot of elbow grease and then rent it out and move on to the next one. But cleaning it up and doing some minor renovations with the rentals, I started 
the light bulb started going off and I kind of snubbled and I thought, well, I'm going to start flipping maybe. And so my first flip, it was definitely not on the scale of renovations of what I'm doing now. If I had bought my first flip and it was the flip that I'm currently working on, I think I would have packed in my tool belt and I would have run for the hills and I would have just said, okay, I'm just going to go back to buying rentals and do it that way. So it's a, uh, I don't know if that. Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. So, I mean, so I guess the reason I was asking that because in, in Canada, if you live somewhere and you sell your primary residence and you've lived in it for more than a year, you're, you're technically, and I'm not an accountant guy, so like check with your accountant, um, mm-hmm. but you're technically <laughs> exempt. But what I'm thinking is probably pretty cool is if you're, if you're living in it, you're renovating it. And then you've lifted up the value while you were living there. As, as an example, if, if it's been more than 12 months, you're like... Well, my flips are not considered my primary residence uh, because of, I have a commercial insurance policies on everything. And so because of that, the, the insurance companies know that I'm buying this to flip it. Got it's it. not my... You know what I mean? And so the policy is it's very expensive for that, but it also covers me if anything happens. And they know that there's going to be different people working on it. Uh, like a general contractor or an electrician. And I have to provide verification that the people working on the house that I'm flipping um, are bondable, they're insured and all of those great things. But yeah, no, the house that I, if I'm living in the flip, the insurance company doesn't consider. They, it's, everything is upfront. I, they know that I'm buying this to live in it temporarily. I'm buying it to fix up. And so it's all done, you know, that way. Okay. So. All right. Sounds good. So, so what is your portfolio? Are you able to share what that consists of? Like how many flips you've done, how many buy and holds you've got roughly? I have six uh, single family homes in the Niagara area. So from St. Catharines to, to Welland, Niagara, or sorry, uh, Font Hill. So those are where my single family homes are. I have one duplex. Uh, well, it's technically not a, du- there was a big debate with the insurance companies about this because technically it's not a traditional duplex. So there was some arguments there going back and forth, but we finally settled on um, a description of the building because it technically has two rental use, but it's a mother-in-law suite. So, but uh, so I have that and then I have my flips. So flip wise, I've probably done eight or nine. This is probably my ninth one, the current one, the Wellington project. Awesome. So, you know, I'm very um, personally hands off with renovations, whether I'm the contractor or hire the <laughs> contractor. I'm not the one that's actually doing it, but you know, your Instagram videos are pretty cool because you're getting in there, you're getting dirty, you're actually doing the renos. And uh, so for somebody like me, or somebody that, that, you know, may not know where to start can you just walk us through maybe some you're looking at a house it sounds like you've got a lot of you know a lot of singles at this point in time like what are some yep. things it's just an old and dated house um that we could maybe start thinking about doing and, and how you got started and actually physically doing the work uh so if i understand your question you're asking me like what's my assessment when i want like, what what's the what factors make me want to buy it or not well, even it? just as, as renovations, right? Let's, let's just maybe talk about your last house that you're renovating. You got into it. Like, how do you, know, how do you even start? How do you find out what renos, you know, like how to do those renos? Like, <laughs> like was it YouTube or, or whatnot? Like, what are some tips that you can share with us? Yeah, on- no, there's definitely been some YouTubing. Uh, I do come from a construction family. Uh, my dad has a construction company. He's retired now. But he started off when he was like 17, 18 years old. He's in his 80s now. So when he was 17, 18, he started in 
construction. I was born into that. Uh, my granddad was, his dad was a, a contractor. My mom's dad was a millwright in a, uh, he had a woodworking shop, carpentry as well. And I was the only grandchild on both sides of the family for a long time until my sister came on. So I had full reign of the tools, got into it, hit everything and did all that. Um, my, my dad would take me on the construction sites. So I'm very familiar with that. I'm very comfortable in that environment, but I didn't, I was told you're going to university and that's all there is to it. So I was young. I did what my mom told me and that was that. And it just, uh, I don't know, just like I said, laminate flooring, doing some painting and getting comfortable with that and getting good with that. And it just kind of snowballed, like the experiences and everything like that. A lot of YouTubing, uh, of course, reaching out to my dad, you know, there's a lot of phone calls there and going, what should I do? How should I handle this? You know, the, the, the code, the bylaws and, you know, and everything like that. So just learning it, learning it as you go. Nice, yeah. nice. So let's just talk about like one of your recent ones as an example. Can you walk us through, you know, how long that process took and maybe some of the, the numbers? I mean, obviously you're saving a ton of money doing it yourself, but maybe just the, the cost of the last reno and also like the, the length of time, um, if you can share that. If I didn't do the renos, it would be cost prohibitive for me to do this, I think, or I would have to stick to the kind of renos that I started five, six years ago where I had a budget of 10,000 and I have a, I've given myself a budget between 20 and 30 now. When I do a house, I've never gone to 30K, but uh, I've, the most I've ever done is uh, 25K. And so when I walk into a house, I quickly, when I'm with my agent and if I'm gonna buy it or not, I quickly assess, I have to hire someone to do this. I have to hire someone to do this. I have to hire someone to do this. And so if that adds up and it exceeds my budget, then I walk away from it. So when I walk in, I have to see a lot of things that I personally can do. And that's what keeps my budget down here. And I live in the flips. Um, everything's a tax write-off too. Like, you know, so like the utilities, the holding costs, everything is a tax write-off. So Very cool. So I'm, I'm guessing things like electrical and plumbing, like you probably hire out. Is there anything else that you- Oh my to? gosh, yeah. No, electrical and plumbing is definitely not something I take on. The only thing I will do electrical is I will put in a new light fixture and uh, everything else due to my insurance policy as well, because it's commercial. If God forbid, if anything ever happened, that's going to be the first thing. Well, who did that work? Oh, you didn't have a licensed person do that. Also, when I bring in an electrician, the scale of work uh, electric that, that that needs to be done electrical is just way beyond my skill set and I don't want to learn it because um, the whole house like the last house that I had it had knob and tool throughout the whole thing none of the, the ceilings had light fixtures so that all had to be replaced wired in uh, there was no outlets in the bathroom there was no dishwasher so that's a big electrical job that's a huge scale and that's certainly not something I would ever want to tackle or learn on my own and I draw permits for that. And I find that that helps with uh, resale as well. Because buyers are very impressed when they hear that, oh, you drew permits? You didn't use some handyman, you know, or your brother's brother or something, you know? So uh, it helps with resale, knowing that you did everything legit and on the, on the, on the up and up. That's awesome. So are you getting these flips like you're talking about resale, are you selling them? Are you keeping them and refinancing them? Like what's the exit strategy on each one to, to recoup your, your money essentially in the equity you built in? 
Well, the flips, yeah, they're resold. Um, I don't stay in that. The longest I've ever stayed in one flip is probably eight months. And that was because the person buying it had to sell her house. And I really wanted her to have the house. So I stopped uh, any showings and I was willing to stay there so that it worked out so that she could get into that house. So that's the longest I've ever stayed. The shortest is probably my current one. I had a reno timeline of eight weeks. Um, the hiccup with that one came, my windows throughout the whole house are being replaced. And I put that order in two weeks before I closed on the house because I knew it was gonna take a long time to get them. They came in last week and my contractor went into a massive uh, heart attack. So he was in ICU all last week. And so I'm waiting him to, to recuperate from all of that and to just make alternate arrangements either with someone in the industry that he knows. So I've given him an extension of like three weeks to just like get better and he's home now, but he obviously needs some time. And I don't want to put any pressure on oh, him. Okay. So I'm giving him three weeks. So it, it, that has put a little hiccup in my timeline, but that was unforeseeable and that's, yeah, no, you, you need to work with that and roll with it. So, cause yeah. I don't want to lose him. He's done, I've had him now for the past year and a half. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. This is a people business as well. I mean, you know, having yeah. friends as on your side and, and, you know, not people that, that hate you because you are, <laughs> you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, it's, it's, uh, it's a small industry and you've got to, you know, you've got to treat uh, the good ones, the good contractors and the good, uh, the good team members mm -hmm. extremely well. So like, for example, this, you know, or, or just one of the recent properties, like, can you share what you're, you, what you're buying it for? And I know you're saying it's between, you know, 20 and $30,000 or less that you're putting into it. Mm -hmm. But can you share like the, the purchase price and the selling price with us just as like an example of one of them so that the listeners can get an idea of like some of the stuff that they could maybe do themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this one is a, uh, one floor. Uh, it's the first time I've ever purchased a property that has a uh, crawl space. So there's no basement. There's one bathroom. There's three um, bedrooms in there. That was a selling feature for me. Uh, I purchased that for 180. I'm putting a rental budget of 20K in it. The whole house has been gutted. It's been rewired. Uh, all the plumbing has been replaced. Uh, the do exterior doors have been replaced. I put a, a brand new roof uh, on the back because it had nine layers of shingles oh on it, which God. is definitely not code. It's definitely not code. So that had to go. Um, and I'm a stickler for code. I, I try to stay like, you know, uh, what's code? What's code? Is this code? Is this code? Like I try to make sure that I do things properly. When my tradespeople are in, I will ask them questions. So yeah, 20K and the uh, comps for that house, uh, similar with a crawl space that has been updated and things like that. No garage, one bathroom. They're selling between 280 and 300K. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, I just want to take a moment and interrupt the podcast to introduce you to my mortgage broker, Dahlia Barsoom, and her team at Streetwise Mortgages. Because everything around us is changing, the world as we know it is not going to be the same. COVID-19, the economic crisis is a time of uncertainty for many of us. And the lending and real estate landscape, they're changing quite rapidly day by day. Today's financing and investment decisions are going to be different than the ones that we made yesterday. Dahlia and her team are going to be able to help us maneuver through all of this. 
They're property investors themselves. So they've worked with thousands of real estate investors across Ontario and they have their pulse and their finger on what's happening around us in real time from a real estate financing and investments point of view. Her team of advisors are committed to helping us keep informed and get that up-to-date information. And they're also gonna be able to help us navigate through this crisis to also mitigate and minimize any financial distress during this whole transition and also help us emerge out of this in a strong financial position so that we can leverage ourselves for some great opportunities that are going to be coming to us. They've been able to help many investors in times like this by really planning out your plan for the good, but also for the bad, because these circumstances that are happening are going to be very individual for all of us. And they're going to help navigate three key parts, financial stability, financial agility, and opportunity, and help you manage through those three things. When it comes to stability, how can you enhance your reserves and your liquidity to weather the storm? You're gonna have a different plan, so it's important to get that individualized plan. How can you utilize mortgage payment deferrals? Should you, should you not, why or why not? Any debt restructuring opportunities, those are all things that Dahlia and her team can help you work with. Now, when it comes to financial agility, there's some things that you might want to talk about are how do you make some improvements to your monthly budget so that you can increase your cash flow? Are there any financing tools that you can use to cover some short-term cash flow deficits? When it comes to opportunity, there's going to be some great opportunity that's going to come out of this. How can you set yourself up? for success. So her and her team are going to be able to help you maneuver through these things and create a plan, not only for the good times, but also in times like this, so that you can handle the storm and come out ahead. Feel free to reach out to Dahlia and her team at info at streetwisemortgages.com or go to her website, streetwisemortgages.com. And now back to the show. All right. Awesome. And that project took you roughly how many weeks or how many months? I'm eight weeks into it and it was supposed to be up for sale. But like I said, there's yeah. a bit of a push for it because of the hiccup with but, my but technically, uh, technically eight weeks regardless, right? Give or take. It would have taken eight weeks. Yeah. When I walked in, I was like, I can get this done in eight weeks. And that was simply because I didn't have an upper floor to deal with. I didn't have a basement to deal with. So I thought I got one floor to deal with. The outside didn't need anything except new stairs, new railings, you know, things like that. So I, I just thought based on my experience, this is how I estimated it. And I've, I've come in on point on that. So yeah, but Frank is at home recuperating. So. <laughs> well, let's hope that Frank is, is good and, and healthy soon. So you're living in, in this one or are you living somewhere else right now? No, this is in Windsor. So, and my home base is here in Waterloo. This is where I am right now. I come home on the, the weekends, um, which is another point for like another question. Like I, I really had to learn how to get put balance into my life <laughs> to keep my sanity because I would work, 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 never come home on the weekends, never rest. Just, you know, sometimes you just got to come home, do the hair and makeup. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So no, I'm home in Waterloo right now. Yep. Okay. So you try to go back for the weekends and then you go to in, in a every second weekend, every second weekend. Oh, okay. Okay. So everything is so your, all your stuff, because I was going to say, like, do you bring your stuff to each house? <laughs> uh, no, just a suitcase. So when I, the first order of business, when I go into a flip, when I'm taking, I, I have the keys, I got one bedroom and I take everything out. I paint it. Uh, I put up a new light fixture and I'll have that literally all done. I'll spend like two days. I'll have one bedroom, 
boom, set and ready to done. Then I seal it off. I'll put a mattress in there. I've got a little dresser that I bought at Restore for like $10. I'll keep my, you know, and I have my tub of clean clothes, my tub of dirty clothes, work clothes. I've got my tub of towels and face cloths. And then I seal off the door so that now when I'm knocking down plaster walls, nothing can get into my bedroom and in my, you know, mattress and stuff like that. So that's the first order of business. That's smart. That's good. <laughs> to have a clean place to sleep on, on the floor. I'm going back <laughs> to my university days. Yeah. Sleeping I, on the floor. It's funny. I know, I know some investors that are very hands-on as well. And like, sometimes they'll buy like a trailer and then they just live in their trailer that's next to the house mm -hmm. go and do, which yeah. is also a pretty good idea. But you know, you've got a great idea with sealing off one whole bedroom, making one clean area. And then, the yes. rest, you know, yep. the you work yep. on afterwards. Very cool. So, um, obviously, you know, you are surrounded, I'm guessing with lots of great people, great team members, expert team members, like who are some people on your team that, you know, if somebody wants to become hands-on and do uh, a flip strategy or, you know, be hands-on with the renos, like who are some of the team members they should have on their team uh, and, and where can they find them? For me, uh, my team, the way I'm looking at it now and how I've built it and what I contribute my, some of my success to uh, is my realtor, uh, Steve Kanjar down in Font Hill. He has been so resourceful and supportive over the years when I have my meltdowns and my questions and his support has even continued even though I'm down in Windsor and dealing with a different agent now. Uh, so I have my agent, I have my contractors. I, if I have a question, uh, I will text Frank, I will text Neil and go, I have a question about this and they will you know, give me feedback or give me a referral, uh, things like that so that I can continue on with the rentals that I can do and keep, keep moving forward. I have a phenomenal um, insurance person that keeps me on track uh, with all of that, an accountant. And of course, I don't know my, my personal life, you know, my partner, my fiance, Tim, I would go crazy without him. <laughs> uh, he's, he's definitely been very instrumental with all of this. And yeah, he's, sure. it's not his job. He has nothing to do with anything that I do. Uh, he's a graphic uh, marketing specialist person, so he has nothing, but he's my muscle. That's what I call him. He's my muscle. So he'll come down to Windsor uh, for a weekend, a day or two, and help me move things. Awesome. So the, the heavy things you get, uh, you get Tim to help you out on. Yes. Like last week, uh, last weekend, he came down because I was at that point in the renovation. I was like, okay, I can start bringing in furniture now from my storage locker. All those things are heavy. So I, I need a hand with that. And, you know, so he comes down and yeah, gave, gave me a hand with that, which I greatly appreciate. Very cool. You know, there's not a whole lot of women in the industry that do what you do. And, uh, you know, so I want to say congratulations because you're really, you know, stepping outside of the I think the square box that a lot of people think, you know, is, is sometimes a, a man's world of, of doing the renos and, and living in them. Um, mm -hmm. Have you ever, you know, so how has it been for you just being a, a woman, you know, in the industry, but also doing what you're doing, you know, being very, very hands-on with the renos and, and mm -hmm. you know, essentially living in, in many of them for uh, days at a time? Uh, I think I have such a familiarity and comfortableness on that site because my dad took me on the construction sites before I could even walk. Uh, I have pictures of me like uh, when I was two years old, like putting in installation at one of the houses. Like, so I'm very comfortable around that. I'm very comfortable around being around tradespeople. 
I have a very thick skin. I know how to speak up if someone gives me an attitude or an unsolicited opinion about like, well, you know, gives me an impression that I should be at home, you know, uh, with an apron on and cooking. <laughs> so I, I, I have no problem, uh, you know, responding to that accordingly. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess, I guess once you've got your team in place anyways, they, they respect you, they trust you. And then, you know, like you've, you've got your, I'm sure your contractor, your, your electricians, your plumbers, like your, your setup is, is like, they put up with my personality. And that's a part of the reason why they've stuck with me. Uh, I mean, I had a different team when I was in uh, Niagara, obviously, yeah. but the past year and a half or so, um, I do, I am the way I am. I'm very forceful. I am very time managed. I'm a stickler. I'm militant, uh, militant about that. Um, so they, they know that they know I'm serious. The first time I dealt with them, they were kind of, kind of like, yeah, yeah. Okay. She's just going to give up. I'll never see her again. Right. She's not doing this. And, but when they showed up for the second house, they realized like, oh my God, she's telling the truth. She's really doing this. She's been doing this for a while. She knows what she's talking about. And so they've taken me more seriously and their, their level of respect for me has, it was, it's tangible. You, you could tell that they, yeah. They know what I'm talking about, <laughs> so it's it's a good team. So you, so I mean, you've done you've done a bunch of flips. You've got a you know a bunch of properties that you're holding on to as well. Yep. What are some mistakes that you've made that you can share with the listeners so that they don't make the same mistakes? <sighs> mistakes, mistakes, mistakes. <laughs> Where do I start? When I looked at certain opportunities, I got scared. And I, and I had that conversation with Steve, uh, even like just a little while ago. I'm like, you remember that building we looked at five years ago and I was all gung ho about it. I liked the numbers and I was all like, but I got intimidated by, cause it was a five plex and I got so intimidated and I, and I just so regret that. Like I had to put on my big girl pants back then. I just wish that I had not gotten intimidated by going, Oh, I have to manage five tenants at once in one building, you know? So that was a mistake. Because uh, I would be sitting on a gold mine right now. That was, this was in uh, Niagara Falls. So I really regret that. Uh, so one takeaway I would like people to get, like, don't let lack of experience intimidate you from moving forward. Don't let fear hold you back. Like, sleep on it, but don't make that decision. Don't make that decision. Uh, like, temporary feelings. Don't just wash that away, sleep it off and rethink that. And if you say, if the numbers work, move forward and just realize that you have an, a support system with your agent, your family, or just whoever is around you, they will help you navigate through any troubles or problems that you have that you don't have experience with. I, I wish I had done that. And then with the renos, uh, probably I go in and I demo everything and I throw everything away. And I just, and then that just adds to the expense because you're just like, well, wait a minute, I got to go out and rebuy that. Or that, or if I made this reno decision, well, that just led into steps two, three, four, and five. I just created more work for myself. If I had just slowed down and rethought that decision and instead of just going gangbusters and doing it, like just take a minute and go, well, if I do that, is that going to create more work and more expense for me? Is this adding to my timeline? You know, is this adding another week on? And I have made those mistakes at the beginning. So at the beginning, it added a lot of time and expense that if I had just stopped and thought, you know, given that extra minute of thought to it and thought it through a little bit better. Awesome. That's great advice. So what's next for you? I mean, 
obviously throughout the pandemic, it sounds like you've been plugging away and, and working away, which is good, but, you know, looking forward into, into 2021 and, and onwards, like what are your, some of your goals? I, I sold, I closed on my last flip March 12th. Mm-hmm. And obviously a week later, it was a whole new world. I woke up to a whole new world. And um, so I came back to Waterloo. I hunkered down, did the quarantine for the first two months. And I've never taken a summer off. So I was like, well, I might as well take the summer off, right? And then I started looking for my next flip in Windsor. And during those like five or six months that I gave myself, I did a lot of um, rethinking about what I wanted, where I wanted to go with this, because I had so much time to be, you know, uh, on Instagram, finding how people were doing things themselves. And I'm just like, well, maybe I should consider this. Maybe I should consider that. And how, how would I go about doing that if I wanted to do this, this, that? So uh, that rethought my game. So that's the uh, collateral beauty out of the whole COVID for me was just it opened my real estate mind to different things. So uh, with that being said, um, I'm not uh, going back to my regrets about not buying that fiveplex uh, five years ago in Niagara Falls. I'm thinking, well, you know what? I've been dealing with tenants now at six different places. <laughs> I've seen it all. I've dealt with it all. I can do this. So definitely getting into multifamily. I feel like I've, I've definitely got that experience and confidence in me to move forward that um, So a conversation that I had with my realtor, um, Ashley in Windsor, I told her about some of my tentative plans on how I want to build my portfolio in Windsor over the next year, year and a half. And that included buying some triplexes down there. Um, So maybe two units. I told her I was interested in buying two units within the year down there because it's renting down there is really, um, it's a good market for renting. Yeah. Okay. All right. Very cool. So, so with the, with the plan B, you moving into a unit at a time, renovating it and moving into another unit, <laughs> renovating, is, is that kind of the plan uh, or, or do you have another plan for the, the multi-units? No, no. Uh, one of the things that I want to do is if I don't move forward with the multifamilies down in Windsor, I'm going to go back to Niagara. I've had a tentative uh, conversation about this uh, with Steve. Uh, also about doing that. If I'm like, if I don't stay in Windsor, I'm coming back to Niagara. So let's, uh, if some, uh, I want to do this in the next year. So if, you, if a deal comes up and you think that I would be happy to have and the numbers are, I will come and look at it and re- reconsider that. Would I live in the unit? No, I've never lived in an apartment building. I've never lived with anybody. I've never lived in a condo setting. It's not for me. <laughs> so <laughs> Um, one of the things I want to get myself into is have a home base with a massive garage. I do need that setup um, so that I can have all my tools out there and go to the site and just have a home base and, and get out of living in the flips. So, yeah. All right. Very cool. And I'm sure Tim would be happy to have you home more often as well. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We've, that's, uh, yeah, the whole, uh, yeah, it's, it would be better for the relationship. Yeah. So some things need to be reconfigured for to keep the whole picture and to keep the all the bad life. Yeah. So absolutely awesome. I mean, it's it's so interesting. It's so inspiring, Jacqueline, to, to see you know another woman and, and you just being able to like go ahead and buy and and go in there and renovate, get your hands dirty. Um, well, and- you got to be a little batshit crazy too to take it on. <laughs> like I'm telling you, you got to be a little batshit crazy. I. Uh, my roofer, who I've used three times now down in Windsor, he was just like, 
uh, he goes, why do you keep doing this? And I'm like, I just looked over and I'm like, because I'm batshit crazy. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't want to be a hygienist. I, I need to be my own boss. I need this creative outlet. I love going in and just transforming this house. And I just love the whole thing and being independent, being in charge of my financial freedom. Um, because uh, one of the things that uh, I crossed, that crossed my mind when this whole COVID thing happened, and Tim and I were sitting here at home in quarantine for the first two months. And I'm like, we would not be sitting here in this financial comfort zone if I had stayed as a hygienist. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have what I have. I wouldn't be doing what I, you know, I wouldn't be in this financial boat if I had stayed as working as a hygienist. So having all this um, income from my rentals, I was like, I can wait this out for 10 years. Like, you know, and that was such a peace of mind. And I just think everybody should do it. Even if you only buy one income property, just do it. It's, it's, yeah, just do it. <laughs> it is, it is a huge safety net too. I mean, you know, yeah. like at the end of the day, whether it's a pandemic or not a pandemic, there's going to be something else. Maybe you're going to get sick. Maybe your, your significant yep. other is going to get sick or your child or something, you know, a parent yep. and you're just going to have to be taken away from you know, your time, you know, for income, your job, right? That job world. Mm -hmm. So it is so important, regardless of a pandemic or not, just to have, you know, other sources of income where you're not trading your, your time per se, uh, mm -hmm. you know, for, for that income. And, and real estate is really, like you said, it's the best. I mean, obviously you're, you're putting a little bit more time into it because you're doing the renos, but you're getting the cash flow, you're getting the equity lift, you're getting the mortgage pay down, you know, and, and over time, you know, as tenants turn over, you can re reboost the cash flow and increase that. And, you know, there's so many things that you can do and, and you have, you know, you know, not complete control, but a lot of control um, with, uh, with creating that, that for, in, for yourself, that freedom. Um, so you were able to, like you said, you take your, the summers off. I took my summers off and then I decided to retire. <laughs> but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, life is not about working for, you know, somebody else for 40 years just to retire at 65. So, you know, whether it's, it's what Jacqueline's doing or, you know, something, something else, there's lots of options out there to, to be able to, to be in a better position, I think, moving forward should the next thing happen. Because at some point, something else will happen, right? Yeah, just uh, having that peace of mind uh, when COVID happened and I'm sitting here and I don't have to worry about anything. Uh, our principal home has no mortgage. We have no personal loans. The vehicles are paid off and things like that. That's all covered. Um, so there was no, we don't have a big overhead, but um, it, just, it was just positive reinforcement. It was just, uh, it, it, it set a fire underneath me. Like, I want to grow this even more, you know, when I uh, got onto Instagram and I saw other people, what they were building in their portfolios. And I'm like, you know what? I should just keep on doing this and grow, grow, grow and see what, where this goes and what happens and what, because who knows, there might be a, an even worse world pandemic 10 years from now, you know, like, I, I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, this is the time. My tenants were awesome. When this started back in March, I was hearing whispers of this and I reached out to Steve and I said, my, my realtor down there, and I said, uh, have you been hearing this about, you know, renters are going to go on strike or something? Like, what, what is this? Is there any credibility to this? And if it does happen, how are you going to handle and deal with it? And so he uh, directed me to a Facebook group uh, on Facebook. Is, uh, you had to get invited to it. And it was for landlords. Is it on Ontario Landlords Watch? 
Yes, yes. Okay. It's and so everybody was talking about this, you know, uh, and how they were dealing with it and what their reactions were going to be. So that was very resourceful. So my approach was two weeks before April 1st, I reached out to all of my tenants and said like, you know, what is your situation? Do you need an extension? Like, I don't want anyone to feel like they don't have money for food and medical expenses. Uh, don't want you to be short on gas if you're able to maintain your job or, and things like this. So I reached out with them. Uh, no one needed an extension. Everyone paid their rent on time. I, I, I was like, oh my God. I, I've got a horseshoe up my hoo-hoo, you know, <laughs> like, uh, I had no issues. Everyone paid rent. Uh, I did lose one tenant, but they gave me, um, they were very clear. We just can't keep up with this because they were with me for four years, actually. Great tenants. I was sorry to see them leave. This was up in Font Hill, actually. And they were with me for four years, but his uh, EI was running out and just, you know, everything like that. And she was carrying it on herself. So they came up with a financial plan that worked for them. So they were moving in with family members for a year to ride this out and keep their financial situation and not keep racking up the credit card, which I think was very wise for them because they have three young children. Yeah. And, and you're really so lucky too, because they could have decided to stay and, you know, you taking them to court and going through the process could have been 12 months worth. Yeah. Well, she was very clear. She's like, we don't want to get into a position where one month we're like, Jacqueline, we just can't pay rent. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, well, I would have worked something out with you. You know, I would have worked something. I would have worked with you, you know, I, but they were like, no, we're going to move in with family for one year. They moved in with her mom, actually. And they're just going to handle. And I, I think that's very financially uh, responsible of them to take that approach. And they didn't want to put themselves in, a, you know, so I felt bad because they were paying 1500 a month but rent has really increased in four years in Fawn Hill. So I felt bad. <laughs> I went, I'm like, so I literally went from 1500 a month to 1900 a month. <laughs> and, but you know, and, that, and that's business, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's what happens with, with places like Ontario that are rent controlled mm -hmm. and have such low vacancies because of all that control. As soon as a tenant turns over, you know, market rents go up five, 10% versus the, you know, measly, well, 0% in 2021, but the measly mm -hmm. one or 2% that you can increase, um, you know, based on, on rent control. So unfortunately it's always, I shouldn't say always, it's often a good thing for tenants to turn over. And four years is a great timeline where, you know, you, you've had them for a while, it's been stabilized, but there is that lift. And this is where the cash flow boost comes in too, right? Is, is... I felt bad though, because under the circumstances, because so many people were yeah. not in a good place. And here I am, I'm basically getting a 400 uh, increase in salary. And I felt bad and I felt guilty. I had that conversation with Tim and a few people. I was like, I feel kind of bad <laughs> going, I'm, I'm earning more money in this situation with this COVID, not losing. So I felt that, you know, at the end of the day, it's business, you know, you yep. treated them while they were great tenants, you were a great yep. landlord and the market dictates the price and that you've given a great, you know, you've upkept the house. It looks great. Somebody's happy to pay 1900. So I, I would look at it as, you know, it's, it's, it's part of the business. They go somewhere else. It's probably yeah, going to be 19 or 20 <laughs> or 2000 anyways. So they're, they're paying market rent and you've got a great place and, and they have a great landlord. Too. Actually 1900 in Font Hill is under market. Well, there it's you still go. under market. <laughs> it's still under market. It's crazy. It's crazy. And this house, this particular house uh, is in a neighborhood. This house is, a, is in a subdivision. It's a newer one. It's about 20 years old. I've had it now for a long time. 
but the, the, the new bills up and around, there's nothing selling less for than a million dollars. So I'm sitting on a gold mine. You are, you are. <laughs> on that one property, I am literally sitting on a gold mine. I bought it for 160,000. And if I wanted to, I could, uh, the, I asked Steve um, three months ago, if I put this up for sale, what could I list it for? Like just as is, I don't go in, I don't renovate it. I don't put a new kitchen in or anything. Cause right now it's all built basic builder grade. And I didn't do anything to it except paint over the years. And he's like 550. So I'm like, oh. I'm going to ask you one more question and then we're going get, to get into the lightning round because uh, um, we've been I hope I've got answers <laughs> for a while. But, you know, obviously you're, you're doing this. You're not working at the dental hygienist no. No. job anymore. How do you get financing for acquiring these properties? I'm going to be honest. I don't have to. I buy, I buy my flips in cash. Okay. I, that uh, beats out a lot of the, lot of the competition. Uh, because one of the reasons why I went from Niagara Falls or uh, St. Catharines area, when I started out, I'm like one, maybe two offers in on a house. And I started getting priced out after doing this for like for three or four years down in that area. And I went from one or two offers on this house. And now I'm up against 30 or 35 offers. Well, I can't compete with that. If I wanted to beat this offer, uh, I would have to hold on to it, but I want to flip it, you know, so the, the numbers just didn't work. So I literally went on realtor.ca and Googled 200,000 Ontario. Where, where could I buy a house for less than 200,000 here in Ontario? Capus casing came up a lot. That ain't going to happen. Uh, Windsor, Windsor came up and I don't know anybody in Windsor. I've never been to Windsor except maybe drive through to cross the border 20 years ago. But you, I, I did what I had to do and I went down and I bought a beautiful home in uh, Walkerville. I don't know if you're familiar with that area in Windsor, but a beautiful area. And six months later, I sold it for 265 and I only put 15 K into it. And so you got to do what you got to do sometimes. So, yeah. So you're, you're just recycling that money essentially into the next deal and buying that cash from, you know, the proceeds from the, yeah. So for, so for the flips, I do, I do buy them in cash, but my rentals, uh, I have CIBC banking. So I just tell them I get a mortgage, but yeah. So I've never had to, that, as I found that very interesting too, like the past couple of months, you know, seeing people how they have to finance this and this and that. And I'm just like, I haven't had to do that. <laughs> so I feel really bad about that, but yeah, I do feel bad. And if I do need financing, I don't have any problems getting anything secured. If I walk into CIBC, I've been dealing with them since uh, my first uh, mortgage, which was in my early twenties and my university days. Um, so I've had the same bank, basically the same people that I've tended with. I have a very long standing relationship with them. They know who I am. They know they're familiar. And, uh, I just have credibility with them as well. Like they know, they know I'm sincere and I'm, yeah. Cool. So, and sounds feel good. Bad. <laughs> and just feel bad. You've, you've unlocked stuff that works for you, own it and enjoy it. <laughs> but I've had people like, you say, well, why don't you deal? I've had some people DM me and say, you know, why don't you deal with um, a mortgage lender or this or that? And I'm like, well, because I don't have to. I walk into my bank and I always get 1% less than prime for anything that I need or want. So why would I fix what's not broken? I mean, whatever works for you, you know, like in my, in my situation, it was a little bit different because, um, you know, I, I worked with a mortgage broker because when I was going straight to the bank, I wasn't able to, I guess, get everything. But you were on the inside. 
I, I, yeah, I guess you must have some insider information, but, but I will say that the mortgage broker helped me so much. So I'm, I'm thankful mm-hmm. of that, but uh, you know, again, like everyone's situation is a little bit different and, and it's, mm-hmm. and it's cool that you've been able to figure it out and make it work. And, you mm-hmm. know, congratulations. That's, that's just really inspiring. But that might change with my goals of wanting to get multifamily. Yeah. Uh, the bank may not look at that. I haven't approached them about that yet. So I, I don't know if going into commercial or anything like that or multifamily, I don't know if that will change and they'll be like, no, we don't want to do that with you right now. Or just, I, I don't know. So I may have to open my mind to different uh, creative strategies, which I'm, you know, investor Mel and Dave, they might be good for that. They might be a good source for that. <laughs> awesome. Absolutely. All right, cool. So the next part of the podcast is our lightning round. So I'm going to ask you five questions and within 10 seconds, you're going to give me the first answer that comes to mind. Are you ready? Sure. <laughs> this week's lightning round is brought to you by usproperties.ca. Are you looking to invest in turnkey US real estate that provides exceptional cash flow and appreciation? If so, reach out to James at james at usproperties.ca or visit the company website usproperties.ca for more information. All right. So, question number one What is your favorite real estate investing book? Uh, I don't know if I have a favorite book because I haven't really read anything like that it's only been I've only read a couple of books and anything that's real estate related um in the past couple of months again like the past six years I haven't done touched any of this is probably the only woman in the in the room that's probably the only and then all the rest are like tax tips and things like that like you know tax tips for the Canadian real estate or investor like those type of books but yeah, uh, just so that I'm on my game with my accountant and he doesn't <laughs> can't keep me in the dark. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I think Don Campbell wrote a, a Canadian textbook for real estate. Awesome. Uh-huh. Number two. And I know you said that you just started listening to podcasts, but do you have a favorite podcast? It doesn't have to be real estate specific, but any one in particular you can recommend? Well, of course you, and I have found a few that are Canadian and I, I mean, there's some good ones on the other side of the border, but then their information is not, how relative is it to me? Like it's, that information is probably not very transferable to my situation being Canadian. Um, I have found a few that are very, uh, they seem really great content like yourself, uh, investor Mel and Dave. Uh, If I ever had to look into creative financing strategies, I think they would be a great uh, resource for that. There was another one that I found just the other day. Oh my gosh, I can't remember the name. I think I wrote it down. Irwin's, Irwin Zetto. Mm-hmm. Irwin Zetto, he's Canadian. And then there was another one. She's, uh, I think she's going to be a great resource for me too. She's a multifamily Amanda. She's out West, I believe. Multifamily Amanda. And she seems to talk a lot about multifamily. So if I ever get into that, I think she's going to be a great resource for that. So, so I'm really glad I'm finding all of this before I even venture into this, you know, and arm myself with a lot of uh, strategies. So awesome. All right. Question number three, what do you do for fun when you're not doing anything related to real estate? <laughs> um, I binge watch on Netflix or something. I don't have a TV. I grew up without a TV. Uh, my university years were, there was no TV anywhere. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, Tim will um, download, he'll put on a memory stick for me and I'll watch it on my yes. computer, like down in Windsor or wherever I am and I'll binge watch. Like if there's a day where I'm just like, nope, don't want to move. I'll just sit down and I'll watch like three or four episodes of, you know, Mandalorian or something. And, then get back at it. So. All right. Very cool. 
number not very exciting i know (laughs) that's all it's all good i mean you got to make up for the the tv maybe the lack of tv that you've done uh of of tv watching that you've done in the past but (laughs) awesome all right next question number four if you lost all of your assets and your uh real estate tomorrow how would you start again um well, I would definitely get back up on that fucking horse and I would start rebuilding everything. That's for sure that there, there's no going back to being a hygienist uh, or working for someone else. My mindset, I think would be, well, I did it once. I can do it again. So um, how would I start? Probably. Um, and this is going with like no savings in my accounts or anything like that. Like no my, my bank account is zero. Yeah. Okay, I would go back to maybe waitressing or bartending and um, get two or three shifts like that and build up those tips and, you know, just start all over again and get that savings, get that down payment for and maybe go to something like Chatham and buy something for 80000 and start building it all up again. <laughs> but I would definitely, I would not give up. I would start, I would just go right back to the drawing board. Buy something for sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars, and just build it up. Build it up. Awesome. All right. And last question: If somebody has fifty thousand dollars and they want to get started, how would you recommend they spend that money? Fifty thousand dollars. Wow. Um, I started out with so little. I, I little communities like Windsor, Sarnia, um, Chatham, and start buying real estate in those like where you could probably probably buy two or three. Um, properties rental properties and just build your portfolio up with that I, I i don't know i just know that um there's a lot of um chatham uh and um sarnia uh nova chemicals down in sarnia they started building a huge expansion several years ago where they and they brought literally in 2000 trades people to come in and start these expansion years ago so if you wanted to buy a short-term rentals or anything like that sarnia was the place to go go buy 10 rentals and all these guys live in the same house six guys you know they're from out of town they don't want anything razzy dazzy they're just happy to have a place to you know throw their boots down, you know, after a 12 hour shift. So I look at developments like that too. Um, same thing with Chatham, you know, they, they got a license for a casino years ago. So once that casino goes up, workers are going to come in, management's going to come in. They're not going to want to drive from London every day or wherever, you know, so, so it's a good place to look for rentals and, you know, look at what's going on in, in these little towns. Like what are they building? You know, what's going on? Absolutely. Those are some key fundamentals for sure. Awesome. Jacqueline, where can people reach out and find out more about you? Uh, I only have one. Based uh, Baywalk Design. So on Instagram. Can you spell that? Uh, B-A-Y-W-O-P Design. Awesome. Any final last words of advice? Uh, final advice. Um, do your due diligence if you can't do the renovations yourself. Find out if you have to hire people to do the work. Do your do your take the time to do due diligence. So, for example, if you're looking for a general contractor, interview or have three or four different contractors come in. Don't just hire the first person who who shows up. Be willing to even if you don't have a skill set, be willing to do some of the work yourself to put sweat equity into it and keep. If you're starting out, if you're starting out, 
And if you don't, don't let that intimidate you, you know, don't let that intimidate you or stop you like, like what it did with me with that five plex years ago, you know, um, reach out to people and ask people and get that confidence um, so that you don't let fear stop you from making that purchase, which could be just phenomenal for your life. Uh, don't, don't let fear stop you. Reach out to people. Awesome. That's exactly uh don't let fear stop you. A great, great insight or advice, piece of advice for the listeners. Thank you so much, Jacqueline, for being on the show. It was a pleasure having you on. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons and at the time they all seemed very valid, but as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away and eventually only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked. And also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step -step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And, you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.